Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. News night in the next 60 minutes. Tonight, six pupils feared dead at the Nkoko bypass in Nainchia on the Kumasi Accra Highway following a collision between a school van and a Nissan patrol vehicle. So the, the Nissan patrol crashed into the van um, with kids in it, has pushed the van way into the ditch on the side of the road. The injured to, to the hospital and they report of uh, some of these kids having passed at the time they even got to the hospital. We hear an eyewitness account as the injured are rushed to a nearby hospital. Also tonight, Wild District Court remands into police custody. Five persons arrested in connection with the gruesome murder of Eric Johnson, CEO of Royal Cozy Hills Hotel, otherwise known as Jirapa Dubai. We have fresh details from the court, plus the Jirapa MP's 100,000 city bounty for credible information leading to the finding of the perpetrators. Anybody who is able to provide us information for us to unravel or arrest the murderers, I, the member of parliament, will give a reward of 100,000 Ghana cities to. Also tonight, former chief of staff Kujum Pieni questions President Akufadu's decision to reshuffle his ministers almost 10 months to the elections, describing the move as problematic and a little too late. When he said next to general election, what, I, what do you want to achieve? I don't know. This is the time I'm talking about. I think it's too close to the election, and I don't believe that there can be any massive change. But the leadership of the party disagrees. Former President J. for six months to election, we saw some reshuffles. And again, um, my very own uncle, former chief of staff, was then the chief of staff. Details as we put on the spotlight, the stewardship of finance minister or outgoing finance minister, Ken Ferreta. And some businesses cast doubts over new finance minister's ability to quickly turn around things to improve their fortunes. In sports, PSG star Kylian Mbappe is set to leave the club at the end of the season with Real Madrid keeping a close eye on the development. And MPs lament the death of Ghanaian languages demanding urgent actions to preserve these languages. We as a country must take pride in our local languages if we are to protect our culture, tradition and heritage. I'm sure if we are to conduct a study in the Upper West on the Wale language, I'm sure it will be the same. And then a glimmer of hope for former NSMQ star who almost had her tertiary education dreams shattered due to financial constraints as Pecan Energies awards her and 69 others full scholarship. So I am happy today studying the doctor of pharmacy in UHAT and very soon I'll be a pharmacist. So I'm, I'm very happy to be expecting a pharmacist in 2029. We have that and more in tonight's edition of News. I do all to join us with your thoughts and comments via WhatsApp is 055-11-11997. I am MFA Paul. And my name is Evans Mason. We start with that uh, tragic story uh, that uh, has been breaking in the last hour. Uh, the, uh, the crash on the Nkoko uh, to Kumase Highway, uh, that, that bypass in Nanchia. 
uh, on that particular highway that we're now learning uh, involved several uh, pupils. Six of them currently uh, are now being reported to possibly now uh, in a condition that we were getting some confirmations about may involve some fatalities. Also, the collision between a, a school van and a Nissan patrol vehicle, believed to be an official vehicle. We're checking the registration details, and we have a bit more on that for you. Uh, we understand that uh, registered in the name of the local government. We'll have details of this for you today as we begin to get a bit more from the ground. Well, let's bring in eyewitnesses on this because the details of the accident remain sketchy at this time. We also understand that persons at the scene who arrived there and um, taking some of the injured individuals to the hospital. We've also been interacting with our DOOM correspondent and Samuel Kujobres will give us details on what we are learning from our correspondent. But let me bring in an eyewitness on this. Um, so what happened? Let's, uh, good evening and welcome to Newsnight. Were you there when this happened and what time exactly did this happen, you'd say? Uh, thank you, MFA. Um, unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to tell exactly uh, when it happened. I was on my way to Kumase, and when I got there at Nanshia, um, there had been a, a lot of people gathered around the accident scene. Um, two vehicles, as has been reported by Evans earlier, and uh, the patrol that had crashed into a van carrying. Uh, pupils from a school that closed and crossing the road to the other side and uh, the patrol had crashed into it dragged it with the patrol into a ditch um, a very horrible uh, accident I must say yeah. and this van was carrying children, school pupils you, you say from what you saw yeah so when, when I got there the pupils had been taken to the hospital and so I didn't see any people in there. But you could you could see blood all over the place. Uh, you could see sandals of kids in, in a, with around seven, eight years old. School bags in the in the van. Uh, very very sorry scene. I must I must admit. Yeah, I'm told there must have been about twenty kids uh, in the van that 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 have all been injured and carried to the hospital. But Abuboya riders in the neighborhood who rallied and uh, did a human job at the time. Yeah. But we have details about the occupants of this Nissan patrol vehicle. Well, mm, not that I know. I am told the, poli the police had been there and left at the time I got there. But people uh, at the scene hinted that it belonged to a DC in the Shanti region um, traveling from side towards Kumasi side but whether that is the right person or whoever the vehicle belonged to I wouldn't be able to uh, confirm at this point we are grateful and uh, do stay safe on the roads as well we're grateful for your time that's an eyewitness giving us an account uh, of what he saw and that Ninshia uh, bypass as in Koko bypass in Ninshia in the Accra on the Accra Kumasi highway earlier and we've been digging a bit more into this because we wanted to understand uh, the first of all what had happened but also the ownership of the vehicles in question considering that people in the part were first telling us as the eyewitness has just indicated uh, that the uh, Nizam patrol vehicle involved uh, may belong to uh, one uh, DC or the other uh, we run our checks to establish that the ownership and we're now learning that that 
vehicle is registered in the name of the Ministry of Local Government and it's a Nissan Patrol, as we now know. Now, our, our sources also tell us as we speak tonight that the uh, roadworthy certificate for that particular vehicle uh, may have expired in 2020 and has since not been renewed. But we know that the vehicle currently uh, has uh, insurance cover uh, as we speak. And you can go onto my journal online and get clarity of this as uh, the story and the details begin to pour in. Uh, we're still getting some clarity as regards to the occupants of that Nissan Patrol and the condition in which they themselves are currently because of how serious the accident uh, was and the pictures are pretty gory indeed. Mm. And uh, my colleague Samuel Kujabris is in the studios. He's been interacting uh, with our Adum TV, Adum FM correspondent on this. He's been to the scene. Mm. Kujo, you've been interacting him with him in mm. Chi. Uh, what has he been telling you? So he's been saying that the area the school bus was coming from onto the road, it's quite obscure. You cannot see what's coming from the other side of the main road if you're entering. Mm. And that's how come this accident happened. Now he's been, he's told us which assembly they believe this um, DC is coming from. He says they, they were told that the DC was traveling with another person, so it could be his driver. He's seen the DC sitting on a bed with bandages around the leg, with blood oozing. Now he says they had six people had died, but when they went to the hospital, they saw three children who had been wrapped, indicating that indeed they were gone with another um, a teacher, they were told, so that's four, so they could confirm four, with other people with varying degrees of injuries. Now, uh, the background, I had some mother, uh, a mother who was who was crying, but other people were consoling her that, oh, he's not dead, he's not dead. Now he's been telling us a lot. Let's listen to. Let's me. listen to portions of that interview. Mm -hmm. And tea you see main road no a crab I come main road no bypass now on call. We see more penna DC Bakwa or Achuma Pamoma Neka and on Betina Kokumatsu and any BCI in tea and then of us very incident in Atomaba. Then share a hono a branch a dear moon so obihun and him or brosequin one as a den. A hono yeah branch advanced out free school in the sister bypass in Mana. In fact, because the main road near Banwa, the pocket crowd, and to walk before the PA, now on so it be eight more. Master of the top speed, I want to be control, and to be in your shade. In the assembly, see, no, you go for saying a pra and a pranon so a neat saying and then go for saying a no prayer yet in any past in a few. So uh, that's um, the details that he's yeah, been giving you yeah, on that. But mm -hmm. which hospitals are these? Where have um, the injured been taken I, to? I, I, he mentioned one is Ejakwa, as what mm -hmm. I remember clearly. Mm -hmm. And one is Roman Kalik something. I've forgotten the other name. But these okay. are two hospitals that the uh, in, injured have been sent to. Do we know how many injuries or how many um, injured, you say? Um, he, no, he didn't give exact number, okay. but he said quite a number. And the children, that they, they, the children that are really, mm. uh, you know, injured the more because the DC was traveling with another driver. Okay. The dri the, another person, mm. which he's assuming will be the driver, he sustained, you know, his injuries are quite huge. Mm. The DC only has... Uh, he saw a bandage around the DC's leg, so that's what uh, is coming up. I definitely tuning in. But he again added that from the injuries they've seen, if God doesn't intervene, we may mm. record 
you know other people more. yeah more, more death mm-hmm. really i mean of course that's something that we, we of course do not want at this mm, moment yeah. because of mm. uh, children involved. Yeah, exactly. The mothers are mm. currently had yeah. broken. MFI herself is currently affected yeah, by yeah. it all. Uh, and and this is uh, when you see the pictures, it tells a story of how yeah. gory this is. Mm. Both vehicles completely smashed. Yeah. And you see the impact was very very yeah. strong. Mm. And this is just coming in. So there's there's a lot of facts still that being gathered be, yeah. to try and get a, a clear but, picture. But everyone's one thing that we should we should probably speak about is the obscure nature of the branch but this is where children branch to go to school every day so if they are not able to the driver won't be able to see what's coming up on the main highway of course somebody should have done something about it you mm. know We'll stick with you mm. at 7 on the mm. Joy News Prime, on the Joy News channel to get more uh, of this as it develops. And if you are anywhere near that area and you've seen anything uh, you want to share with us, please do uh, the pictures. Uh, we would love to see them if you have any. 055 Well, let's go to the Upper West Region now for updates on the murder of Eric Johnson, the CEO of Royal Cozy Hills Hotel, um, also known as Jirapa Dubai, over the weekend. Well, tonight, the War District Court has remanded into police custody five persons arrested in connection with that um, gruesome murder and we are told they are to reappear in court on February 28th. Well, um, correspondent Rafiq Salam, you know he's all over this for us. He joins us on the line uh, with more on what we are learning about this particular incident. Uh, yes, Rafiq, uh, thanks for connecting with us on this subject. Uh, who are these persons and what are their charges? Um, they were taken to court. They were not charged. Remember the police on Sunday Monday told us that uh, through a press release that they had uh, arrested seven persons. So out of these seven persons, uh, they profiled them, and then the two persons were granted inquiry bail, and the five were taken uh, to court. So, um, so those that have been uh, granted police inquiry uh, bail, uh, Charles Tuzier, and then uh, Charles Tuzier, and then uh, Felix. Uh, this is a huge security and also the plumber of the hotel. They have been the ones that have been granted police inquiry bill. But the rest, including the general manager of the hotel, Mike Lukugi, uh, were remanded uh, into police custody throughout here on February uh, 28. But the information that we are uh, also learning uh, the last uh, few hours is that uh, one of the suspects that they think that uh, it's connected to could be. Uh, connected to uh, this uh, murder, uh, has been arrested somewhere around uh, Takwade and has been elected uh, from Takwade and uh, and to the upper West Region. So we are yeah, we are still finding out to get who this personality is that the police have been able uh, to arrest uh, to to help them in their investigation and to help uh, to unravel the mystery surrounding uh, this uh, uh, gruesome murder. But the MP of the area. Clayton uh, Sebzapala has been talking about it and he spoke about 100,000 Ghana cities uh, to give to anybody who able to give the information to the arrest of this man. No door was broken, no window was broken. His room door wasn't broken, yet they entered. So this is for everybody to, to think about, to wonder who might have, have access to be able to enter that place without breaking any door, without breaking any windows. Let me use your medium to tell the world, anybody who is able to provide us information for us to unravel or arrest the murderers, I, the Member of Parliament, will give a reward of 
100,000 Ghana cities to anybody who will be able to provide meaningful information for us to conclude on the investigations. And Rafiq is still with us. Rafiq, we are interested in this individual who we understand, as you say, is being flown in now after he was arrested. Uh, uh, but also, a lot of the people arrested are individuals who work in the hotel. What can you tell us about the hotel itself? Is it still functioning? Um, currently, as I speak to you now, the hotel is still running. Uh, it's still working, though it appears that the patronage has gone uh, low because of uh, what transpired around there. Though this incident didn't happen at the hotel, but happened at the, the private residence of Mr. Uh, Eric Johnson. The information earlier that I told you about uh, has to do with, uh, because the information that we have gotten indicates that this particular person that they have arrested from Takwadi uh, was somehow sacked by Mr. Johnson uh, on Thursday, was it Friday, and then also on Sunday. This uh, this incident uh, occurred, and so the police are uh, uh, trying to not to leave any stone unturned to unravel the mystery surrounding. Uh, and in the next few hours, uh, I, I believe that the police will come up with a statement and uh, properly the person they will identify that particular person. But the person, as I speak to you now, my information is that he was airlifted there from Takwadi and then brought to the Apollos region. Do we know if the police are looking for more people, more suspects, persons of interest? The police, uh, for now, they have uh, playing their cars closer to their chest, and they don't want to give any info. Moses, uh, so that's uh, so for now we don't know. But I think that I think that the police they are all over because they have taken in charge and they are doing everything possible. Everybody who is related to the case, they want to bring that person to question him uh, to know what is really about. They are really serious about what they are doing. And then, so is the hope of the people in Upper West Virginia that they will get to the, the to the real killers of this Eric Johnson. Rafi, thank you very much for uh, bringing us exclusive details uh, on this ongoing investigations into the what now is suspected to be the murder of the uh, Drapa Dubai owner. The police are investigating this at this moment. And from what we understand, they are operating on the assumption that this was murder. And, mm-hmm. and the head of the security desk, you've been looking into this very closely. And considering that uh, there were stab wounds in the abdomen, on the face, and also on the chest, and these are the things that they are looking out for. At least seven persons have been arrested so far. Most of them uh, closely worked uh, with Eric Johnson. So these are issues uh, that we really are following up on us. And when we get more, we'll bring that to you. Well, tonight, parents are speaking up. They are concerned about the quality of education the awards are receiving in the senior high schools, particularly those of the Wesley Girls High School, have been voicing out complaints received from their kids in school, which has left a sour taste in their mouths. Now, from inadequate infrastructure to terrible food, they're beginning to wonder what will become of the awards. Take a listen to the following report. The moments in which we gaze upon our sisters who must use plastic chairs in their classrooms and lack the tables to even comfortably write on, cannot but hold our broken hearts. This is Abna Benua Deborah, the head girl of Wesley Girls Senior High School, revealing the distressing living conditions students are enduring. The inadequacy of furniture seems to be a challenge that is beginning to persist. Wesley Girls, one of the top schools in the country, is struggling to accommodate its growing population. The school, Currently housing 3,000 students, congestion is forcing students to sleep on the floor and eat 
their meals in batches. Overcrowding seems to be a problem trying to develop tough skin in every corner of our dear school. Even with the introduction of a new house, hundreds of girls are seen sleeping on the floor. This problem also pushes us to eat our meals in two batches. The inadequacy of computers is far below the standard that dear school has set for herself. Five days after she made these revelations, worried parents have decided to speak up. One of them who chose to remain anonymous expresses concern about her child's health. The girl is sleeping on the floor. And another concern is uh, their food. To be frank, they are not eating any better food at all. So every time she will call, that mommy, I don't have money. The food is not enough and sometimes it's not even good. To, to be frank with you, this girl left home without stomach pain. But now she will call that mommy my tummy. She has been admitted at the hospital, but she said the doctors are so, so, uh, suspecting it's also. Another parent voices complaints about the lack of water. You can just imagine a girl in her mazes, no water to clean up. That is, that is what they go through there. They don't have water to clean up. Girls, I don't know. They are not fed properly. They are made to work like horses. Like, I don't know. No, 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 no chairs for the, for the children to, 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 to sit in their classes. And a situation of stealing. I don't know. If, in fact, I think this is the second prison yard. The headmistress, Jeanette Siame, confirmed the plight, pleading with the president and educational stakeholders, including the Minister of Education, to come to their aid. All that glitters, they say, is not gold. Under the cloak of outward beauty lie a grave bed of dire needs. I will mention just a few. The new assembly hall, your honor, needs to be completed. Then again, your honor, our boss, you have promised us. I've taken due note of the challenges of the school. As you can see, headmistress, I'm here with the Minister for Education, the Member of Parliament for Bosunche, the Honorable Dr. Yao Osei Educho. He has heard your requests, and within the confines of his ministry's budget, the minister will work to address them. Despite President Ekufado acknowledging their concerns, it remains to be seen how help will come to these students. So that's the situation at the uh, Wegehe, that's the Wesley Girls Senior High School. I, I want to take you to another uh, school now, and, and this time it is the uh, Klo Agogo Senior High School in the Yulu Krobo Municipality of the Eastern Region. And inadequate infrastructure and furniture is their problem. It has become a debilitating challenge now, uh, affecting the quality of teaching and learning there. The school is compelled to use its dining hall as a classroom while students do academic exercises on their laps. Here is a report by Stanley Niblo. From afar, all you see is a colorful green and yellow boarding school, but a closer view and the saying, looks can be deceptive, comes alive. The existing infrastructure tells a worrying story as holes in the floor of classrooms beg for attention. Windows have also been destroyed, compelling the school to improvise to prevent town folks from accessing the classrooms at night. To manage the situation of inadequate infrastructure and furniture, Klo Agogo Senior High School practices the multi-grade system of teaching. The dining hall is converted into two classrooms to serve a section of the first-year students. Classes are sometimes disrupted abruptly to make way for dining. Other times, the learning space is shared with goats. In 2005, 
A three-story classroom project funded by GetFund was started after 19 years. It remains an uncompleted building. Currently, classrooms are crowded, furniture is allocated on first-come, first-served basis, and some of the benches from the makeshift dining hall classrooms are also used in other classes. We have general arts four, but you see general arts one and two at one class, and three and four at one class, and even business and agric are in one class. So please, we beg the excellency Nana Dodan that he should come and help us. Students must endure the discomforting posture of doing the day's academic work on their laps. When a teacher came to class, we don't write notes on the board. He dictates, so we should put um, our books on the table, and we don't have tables, so we should put it on our legs. When the teacher finished dictating, some of the students who don't have tables and chairs feel back pain. The girls' class captain in Form 1, Naomi Ako, is yet to come to terms with the shock of how bad the situation is. I feel bad for my fellow mates who are in lack of tables and chairs. When a child is teaching, for instance, they have to sit on the floor or maybe perched by their friends, which made them feel uncomfortable while teaching is going on. The teacher refused to speak with the news team. Eric Tete is a municipal chief executive of Yulokrobo. Though he acknowledged the challenges of the school, he maintained the assembly is financially constrained. I see the problem there as challenges that we need to solve one after the other. And for me, the priority one is furniture. Provision of quality and lifelong education for all is one of the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals to be achieved by 2030. For Klo Agogo Senior High School to meet the criteria, duty bearers must commit results to address the challenges. Well, that's a Stanley Niblo's report read to you about the distressing situation of the students has caused the National Parent Teachers Association to demand reforms in the free senior high school policy to accommodate parental involvement to ensure the well-being and quality education of the awards. Felicity Ahafianyo is national spokesperson for the National Parent Teachers Association. Most of them are saying that it's like the government loves their children more than they uh, parents loving their, 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 their kids. Because the government has tied the hands of parents that it is not, it's like you want to help but you cannot help. Because uh, government said, no, I want to do it, I want to do it. And it's not even doing it. You understand? In the past, check around. Most of the infrastructures that we have in the schools are done by the PTAs and the communities that put up these schools. But government came in and said parents should not pay PTA dues. Parents should not pay PTA levies. Meanwhile, parents, we understand ourselves. Government should, we should, we should, we should come on board, bring PTAs to the roundtable discussion, and bring other stakeholders on board, the old student association. Let's have a very lengthy discussion. Review the free senior high school policy. Well, we've also been hearing from the minority in Parliament on the uh, the Education Committee, and they, however, as far as they're concerned, they don't believe anything will change. Well, we can hear from the Deputy Ranking Member uh, on the Education Committee, Dr. Clement Park. Well, you see, I don't have faith in the Education Committee to take any action as a unit on this matter, because those of us on the NDC side, we have issued press statements, we have issued press releases. We have spoken about the challenges bedeviling the implementation of the policy. Our colleagues who belong to the MPP on the same committee have tended to shy away 
So the many times that some of us have even filed questions or made requests that the minister be brought before the committee to address matters pertaining to some of the challenges that we hear day in and out, bordering the implementation of the policy. But I make you of the fact that the current arrangement allows for the majority side to chair the committee. We don't get to discuss these matters at committee level. The committee is not interested. So that's um, the deputy ranking member on education committee in parliament. And John News will soon be uh, airing a documentary, an investigative piece titled Empty Plate, the free SHS promise that presents a true picture of how the students are fed under the free senior high school policy and the quality of food they are served with. The documentary will air across all platforms here on Joy News, also on the Joy News channel and across social media. Well, we'll stay a while longer on education front and 70 brilliant students, including a former national science and math quiz star who became a Kayayo due to financial challenges, have been awarded full scholarship by Pekan Energies through its Pekan Inspire Scholarship Program. While the scholarship by the oil company aims to prepare the beneficiaries to contribute to the economic development of the country. My colleague, Kwesi Adai Kwating, has the rest of the story in this report. After SHS, I didn't ha even have some money to pick my forms when it, co it comes to my forms. So to get the application form to even apply to uh, the university was actually a problem. That is Jennifer Anale Apingu, National Science and Math Quiz star, and the best graduating student during her WASI, who almost had her dreams of becoming a pharmacist thwarted due to financial challenges. Jennifer, despite her brilliance and zeal to pursue higher education, ended up as a waitress and later a head porter, popularly known as Kayae, to make ends meet. But today, there's a glimmer of hope for Jennifer as Pecan Energies, through its Pecan Inspire Scholarship Program, has awarded her and 69 other brilliant students full scholarship to study various STEM programs. CEO of Pecan Energies Ghana Limited, Khadija Amwa, announcing the award on Thursday, said the company is committed to supporting students from less privileged backgrounds to achieve their potential through education. So with Pecan Energies and our owners, Africa Finance Corporation, we believe in education as a tool to unlock in prosperity and in changing lives because there's so much potential in this continent. The way to, one of the key things we need to do is to educate people. And so it's meant to be an in inclusive scholarship scheme. And that's why you heard us talk about the fact that this year we had 80% of our scholars are female and we had two physically challenged people. A very elated Jennifer who couldn't hide her joy shared how her dream of becoming a pharmacist is taking shape through the Pecan Inspire Scholarship Program. So I came across the Pecan Inspire Scholarship Program where like after various assessments I had the scholarship. So I am happy today studying the doctor of pharmacy in UHAS and very soon I'll be a pharmacist. So I'm, I'm very happy. We'll be expecting a pharmacist in 2029. Sure. Emmanuel, a young man from a less privileged home in a fishing community also indicated that with the scholarship he aspires to become one of the best energy economists 
economists in the country. I want to become one of the one of the best energy economists in Ghana, basically to analyze complex energy trends and to provide um, advice to stakeholders. That's with with um, Pekan, I think I can. I remember when I was in Senior School, so one of my Pekan energies was like a motivation to me. So in Senior School, I was there. I was recognized the best literature student on, on campus. Uh, I mean, I was one of the best students on campus. Even in the scholarship, I was one of the best students. And then, yes, I think it was the worst that I didn't really do or had a great team, but at least I'm part of this um, university scholarship and um, it's, it's really helpful. I'm going to do more with it. Khadija Amwa added that Pecan Energies, through its scholarship program, aims to prepare beneficiaries to take advantage of emerging technologies. That the future is really technology, is going to be driven by technology, AI, and what we're trying to do is to empower young people to be ready and, and to be ready to problem solve and be the leaders of our next generation. And so we're focusing on STEM mainly because of because of these reasons. Benefits of the award includes full tuition, lodging fees, a laptop, semester stipend student development programs and mentoring and academic advice. Kwesi Adai Kwatin's report for Joy News. Time for business here on News Night and George Yafi is here. I was going to say Evans Mesa. George Yafi okay, is here. Don't worry. I can, I can adopt that uh, uh, name. Uh, Valentine's uh, gift the income. Oh, it will come. Don't worry. Uh, it will come. Okay. I'll give it to you tomorrow. Yes, please. Okay. Yeah, well, happy birthday in advance. Yeah, I know. <laughs> What's in business? George? Coming up in business, uh, some businesses cast out over new finance minister's ability to quickly turn things around uh, to improve uh, their fortunes and they may be prepared to pay more for fuel uh, from tomorrow according to uh, COPEC pay their analysis and projections. The business news on News Night is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. You welcome back to business on Newsnight. Now, some businesses say they don't think that the new finance minister, Dr. Mohammed Amin Adam, may be able to quickly turn things around to improve their fortunes. The minister said that the finance minister, Dr. Mohammed Amin Adam, has been reassigned as the new minister of finance. Of President Krodo carried out his ministerial reshuffle. Magbidua Bwaje is chief executive of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry. He thinks that the time is too short for any critical changes to be carried out to affect their fortunes. Thanks. Um, he may be competent enough to uh, run the ministry. However, I, I think that looking at the circumstances um, around this time, it will be extremely difficult for him uh, to turn things around. Uh, at best, um, what we know is that our fiscal policies and our budget for 2024 are all based on the IMF conditionalities. So I don't see how one person will be able to change the policy prescription of IMF. So I don't think that is going to have a any meaningful impact on the business uh, environment within these 10 months that we have. As a chamber, we'll continue to uh, work with him, but as to whether we'll be able to uh, miraculously reduce inflation for each kind of level uh, to a lower level or reduce uh, a policy rate and, uh, and also reduce the lending rate is something that I don't think you'll be able to do within this uh, period of time. It may be good that you would have been able to uh, turn things around and improve the environment for the business community. But look at the current situation, I doubt you'll be able to make any significant impact in the business environment. 
Chief Executive of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Mark Bedu Abwaje. Now, prices of petroleum products are expected to go up from tomorrow. Now, that's according to projections by the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers. The Chamber is projecting that it could be seen more than 6% hike per litre. There is more in this report. According to COPEC, the retail price of petrol is expected to increase by 6.63% to sell at between top Ghana cities and 2 pesos and 13 cities 29 pesos per litre. Diesel is expected to increase in price by about 8.18% to be selling between 13 cities and 21 pesos and 14 cities 60 pesos per litre. Also, the projected retail price of LPG is expected to be average at 13 cities 24 pesos per kilogram. The imminent increases are largely due to increases in the price of petrol on international markets by about 1.75%, whilst diesel goes up by 6.02%. And that is the business tax report. Now, IMS says it doesn't expect the exit of Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger from the economic bloc ECOWAS to have a negative impact on the region, including Ghana. The three countries have announced their intention to move away from the block over recent sanctions by the body. Now, there are fears that trade across the region, across Ghana, could be affected badly. Abibi Selassie is the director of the African Department of the IMF, and he thinks for now the three countries would rather be hit badly rather than the region. Our sense is that, you know, the negative effects will mainly be for, to the three countries should they exit um, ECOWAS, uh, the trading bloc. Uh, of course, there are other political and uh, social uh, administrative dimensions to it. But, you know, from, from a trade perspective, leaving the bloc would see a lot more trade friction. And of course, these countries already landlocked, already facing quite a bit of uh, transaction costs in terms of their trade with the rest of the world. Now, uh, risk facing uh, even higher transaction course which would be detrimental to those countries. Abebe Selassie is the director at the African Department at the IMF. Now, managing partner at Yamsin Associate Michael Yamsin has raised serious concerns over government quest to reintroduce restrictions on some imports. Now, the Trade Minister Katie Amon last week disclosed that he is working to reintroduce the import restrictions because it is still needed. Mr. Yamsin says the timing is not right and it could hurt the economy. In the rice sector, if we ban importation, we need to expand our production by 70% based on current consumption levels. For sugar, we need a 900% increase in production. For poultry, we need over 200% increase. For juices, we need over 100% increase. And in the famous Yemwadia, we need about a 300% plus increase. Now, any shortage in in any of these items does not bode well for inflation. And we have just gone through a very painful uh, period of high inflation in this country. So um, I, I dare say that given the levels of expansion in supply that we would have to, 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 to satisfy in the very short term, um, I'm not very convinced that we have the capacity to implement this policy as currently envisaged. Managing partner at Yamsin and associate Michael Yamsin. 
Now, chief executive of MTN Ghana, Salama Dadivo, says he, does, he accepted the new role at the group level because it will offer him an opportunity to expand the scope and influence a large market. So Dadivo has been speaking or has been promoted to the MTN group as his chief commercial officer, effective April 1. He has been speaking on PM Express Business Edition, which is tonight at 9 p.m. And he's been talking about what he would do in his new role at the group level. I mean, I start on April 1st, and, you know, Group Commercial is, is a unit that looks after all the revenue-generating businesses for, for MTN across 21 markets, excluding the fintech business. So you can think of MTN Group having two businesses, um, or two clusters of businesses, the fintech business, and then everything else. So everything else being voice, data, and our platform businesses. So that's what I'll be looking after. And you know, trying to continue to drive growth and innovation within those portfolios. Now, most of you would know that our ambition 2025 was founded on four, on five main platforms. So fintech being one of them, but the four others: Ioba, which is part of digital services, enterprise business, network as a service, Chinosis. These all form part of my portfolio. And I'm looking forward to, to the exciting time. It's a lot of innovation. I mean, it's a mix. It's exciting because you have innovation in, in terms of the new platforms. And you also have the traditional business of voice and data and digital that um, also need some new form of innovation to drive forward. So it would be quite exciting to be dealing with a mature business plus some new elements that are really, really brand new. And that is Salom Adadivo. He's the chief executive of uh, MTN Ghana. We'll be moving to a new role at the group level from April 1 as the group chief commercial officer. And there is more on this and other interesting issues. MFA at 9 p.m. tonight it's on PM Express mm -hmm. Business Edition and all our social media platforms as well. Okay, we'll tune in then. And let's do some of your messages uh, that you've sent in. This one from Sarah Manfo in Winneba says, This is a very pathetic story. We ask God for healing mercies on the surviving ones and may the departed souls rest in peace. Very sad, she says. Mm. And Wolanyo in Aquitia says, uh, New ministers and deputies and de designates are all fine brains, but I doubt if this injury time replacement have the magical powers to do anything significantly to turn the economy around and this one from michael in legon says was it not the same school the president went and was praising the free shs program happy the parents are talking now and he says the incompetence will reach everywhere and uh, this says uh, deputy majority leaders difficulties is that he is not being addressed as honorable that's malik and kumasi asking that question and now the sphincter's rule says we pray there's no uh, politician taking uh, money from our western friends to relax the lgbtq bill uh, mm -hmm. We cannot afford to toll the European lifestyle as it will be a financial burden on the country. And Baba, chairman in Tamale, says even though I agree with the NDC minority, the reshuffle may not bring anything significant. I think, though, that the NDC must be principled in their actions and inactions. And maybe the final one, um, you would want to take that. The, so this one is from, uh, he says, I can hear Sabi's voice ringing in my ears. This is the reason MPP. Okay, well, um, I understand why you, we, we left that out. But let's do sports. And guess who is back? You're back with us. Is that granting? How was Abidjan? Oh, cook the matto. You didn't bring anything. Fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely enjoyed it. But yeah. let's go straight into the stories. And front striker Kylian Mbappe 
has told Paris Saint-Germain he intends to leave the club at the end of the season. The 25-year-old's deal with the Liga champions is scheduled to expire and he has been heavily linked with a move to Real Madrid. Mbappe's future was subject of a major standoff with PSG last summer. At one point, Mbappe was exiled from the first-team squad and left out of the club's pre-season tour of Asia. However, an agreement was reached that ensured PSG would not lose out when Mbappe eventually left and the terms of his now seemingly inevitable exit are set to be confirmed. The forward has a one-year extension clause, so it's expected his departure will involve either a sale or the transfer fee or financial sacrifices on the player's part. That's all for sports. Back to you guys. Thank you, Danny. Tonight, former Chief of Staff Kujo Piri, you know him? You remember him? Mm -hmm. Well, he's questioning <laughs> President Akufado's decision to reshuffle his ministers almost 10 months down to the general elections. Now, despite reshuffling 19 of his ministers and deputies, many seem unconvinced when it comes to what impact this will have on the country, especially considering where the country is economically. He was speaking on PM Express. My only concern is, is it the right time to have this reshuffle? That's my only concern. Otherwise, is it the president's prerogative? He decides what he wants to do with his government. If he believes the changes will help him to achieve his aims, fine, you should go ahead and do that. But I am thinking eight months, eight months to an election without have any effect on the direction of government, I don't know. Maybe the president knows, or maybe those within his circle know, those within his circle know this. But to be honest, I think the timing is the problem. Otherwise, it's his prerogative to do a reshuffle as he thinks fit. Yes. Well, what is wrong with the timing? You said that is the problem. What is wrong with it? You see, you have eight months to an election. Some of these are new, completely new. Maybe you get them in place by the end of the month for the middle of next month. How are they going to be able to learn what, know what is within the ministry to enable them maybe direct the ministry in a way maybe the president wants them to do now? That's the timing I'm talking about. When it says to general election, what, I, what do you want to achieve? I don't know. This is the timing I'm talking about. I think it's too close to the election and I don't believe that there can be any massive change in the direction of the government that is. So you, you, that for you, this is too little, too late? I, 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 I would say too little, but I think it's Let's take the, the Minister of Finance. You have the budget, it's been approved by Parliament. You have uh, an agreement with the IMF. Are you going to change the rules? You have agreed with the IMF. Are you now going to present a new budget? What really is the new minister going to do, which will be different from the one who is there now? Well, the position has received strong backing from political science lecturer at the University of Ghana, Professor Ransford Jampel, who says the president must come again on the rationale behind his reshuffle. I've been asking myself, like many other Ghanaians, why now that the day is almost over? Is it in line with the belief that Lazis are dangerous and that something new or drastic can be done at the last minute injury time? Is that how governance works? Is governance like football match where we can hope that goals can be scored in injury time? Is governance about superstition? Has the economy which serves as the backbone for every governance activity changed? So drastically that new ministers can perform magic? Are the new ministers of state going to operate with sector budgets that they completely had no input in preparing? To my mind, respectfully, I would say that we're better late than never. So it is good that um, the president has finally reshuffled. Though I do not think that this reshuffling activity is in response to the incessant calls on the president to do so. 
Right. If you want me to be brutally frank, I will tell you that this this is an injury time reshuffle that does not satisfy any of the major reasoning for reshuffles. Well, President of Imani Africa, Franklin Kuju also says the value of the reshuffle is lost on him. He says, by the way, we also have to compare the next election. I'm looking more at the fact that they will be ineffective and that the value to the economy will be zero. Uh, yes, I mean, everybody is expected to make their own analysis in terms of whether they are in there to grab money in order to pursue their public ambitions. In fact, some, uh, some people have even told me, if I'd be put up a poll on a Imani wall, and I think someone made a point, uh, also bordering on electoral advantage, electoral politics, but even this, even that was related to the uh, ethnic advantage right. in the, the like of um, Okobo mm-hmm. and then the Henry Kothi who have been elevated. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, the guy thought that these would inure to the benefits of the guns and necessarily inure to the benefits of the party. I do not see that by the way. Mm-hmm. I see a very ineffective attempt to uh, listen to people's call for uh, a reshuffle, but they never really attend, at, achieved what we, we, we had expected. If it had come along with some downsizing of government, then maybe we would have seen the impact. But as it is now, I don't see the value because as we speak, I mean, voting will take place probably within two, three weeks. By the time voting is done, all these new ministers will have to settle in. They probably have just about four or five months to work. And then they'll start looking at the ballot paper and they'll start contesting. What it means essentially is that we wouldn't have had any value from them at all. But national organizer of the NPP, Henry Nanabuachi, disagrees. Respectfully, I would want to submit that uh, under 15 reshuffles, in fact, this is for me the most detailed and massive reshuffle we've seen under His Excellency Nanana Dankosupar. And again, the respected and revered former President Jayiko for six months to election, we saw some reshuffles. And again, um, my very own uncle. Former chief of staff was then the chief of staff. Six months to elections, and we have a whole 11 months to, to elections. So I think that, um, first of all, let me commend His Excellency the President. The changes for me were needed, and it is good. It, uh, it, it, it is up in this particular time. You recall that when we were having our annual Thanksgiving service, the General Secretary spoke the mind of the party. Uh, he articulated the views of the party by appealing to His Excellency the President to make some changes. And I'm happy with, with the changes. Meanwhile, we are learning that the unfriendly posture of some of the ministers was a major factor for this particular reshuffle. General Secretary of the NPP, Justin Kudia Frimpon, says the conduct of some of the former ministers was impacting negatively on the party. Policies are about human management. It's about your relations, uh, your relationship with, uh, with those that you work with, your key stakeholders. Many complaints that we have had as a party has been the concern that when people uh, bring their issue to some ministers, when they want to see some ministers, they are unable to see them, they are unable to address their issues. So if they are getting new bases who open their doors to listen to concerns of, of various stakeholders and can take steps to address those concerns for them. It goes way to, posit- to positively affect the chances and fortunes of our party. And that's a general secretary of the NPP, Justin Frimponkudia. But the key question is, when will these minister designates and the deputy minister designates be vetted, knowing that changes have been made to the standing orders of parliament, which affects the various committees and its membership? Can you hear from the chairman of the appointments committee, Jose Usu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
existing communities are being restructured, the numbers reduced, and the number of communities we have have also increased. New communities have been added to the current one. So uh, I believe that by close of next week or early next week, the new communities will be adopted, will be brought to the house for discussion and adoption. It's only after that that the appointments committee, for example, can determine who can be a member of the appointments committee because the leadership are known. First deputy speaker, minority leader, deputy majority leader, the reps are known. But three other members will have to be nominated to join that. And in addition to that, if you take any ministry, for example, uh, if you take the uh, local government, the local mm -hmm. government is a new nominee. Mm -hmm. Now, the chairman of the Committee of Local Governance, his deputy, the ranking member and his deputy will join the appointment committee. Mm. So that is the first vice speaker of parliament uh, speaking to us about the changes that will happen in parliament. But let's talk about Ken Ofriata, the is it sacked? Sacked? Promoted, sacked, demoted, whichever. Because he has an appointment still, right? Um, that's officially yet to be announced mm. that he has an appointment. As our sources but have confirmed. But as now, um, he's sacked as finance minister. Well, so we I was going to say the sacked <laughs> yes. former that's right. finance minister, mm -hmm. Ken Ofuriata. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that was the biggest headline from the reshuffle. And you know, his tenure was filled with a lot of controversy. We've been putting it together in this report. Listen to parliamentary correspondent, Kwiku Asante. Exactly the right man to lead our country's economic revival. That is Mr. Ken Ofuriata. The soft-spoken Bible quota and all-white-wearing Ken Ofuriata assumed the reins as finance minister in 2017. Just months into his tenure, he was rocked with conflict of interest allegations and the issuance of government bonds. Ken Ofuriata had a rocky but relatively stable first term. Much of his troubles began when he was reappointed in 2021. Ken Ofuriata fell ill. His situation was so worse that 2021 budget was read by majority leader Osei Chairman Sabonsu. The economy takes a nosedive with skyrocketing inflation, high interest rate, and general economic hardship. The current state of our debt has a lot to do with the lingering effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Russian-Ukraine war. Despite excruciating economic challenges, Ken Ufuriata, with the backing of the president, splashed public funds on lofty plans of constructing a national cathedral. When the economic situation does not improve, Ken has to think outside the box. What does he do? He abolishes road tools and introduces the unpopular and controversial e-levy, which many have said was the beginning of his end. He declared then that the country was never going to return to the International Monetary Fund. We are not going to the IMF. Whatever we do, we are not. Ghana now swallows its pride and applies to the IMF for a bailout. Ken Ofuriata remains in office. Now MPs from his own party, close to 100 of them, have had enough and in an unprecedented move, demanded his dismissal. We are by this medium communicating our strong desire that the president change the minister of finance. The opposition in parliament then files a motion 
to censure him. Can Oforiata miraculously survives all these attempts to remove him? To raise more revenue, Ken Oforiata introduces a debt exchange program, a program so unpopular it drove a former chief justice to the streets in protest. It's rude, it's wicked, it's unlawful. But after seven years, Ken Oforiata's cap becomes full. His cousin, the president, succumbs to pressure and sacks him. And that there is Ken Oforiata as we look back on his tenure. What would you miss about him, if anything? Hmm, the Bible quotes. Oh, the Bible quotes. Yes. As a Christian, I, I yeah. You I miss, miss that. Yeah. yeah. Each time it. the budget is read, you are you are setting that you won't finish without mm-hmm. telling yeah. us something from the Bible and quotes. But of course he'll be around, so I'm sure we'll hear more from him. And then the father and son analogy, when he was asked to leave, he says, <laughs> he says the father he can't or leave not. His children. Why yeah. is he leaving his children now? Well, I, this is that the president gave him no choice. Okay. Um, but a father, dear, no matter the situation, you, you don't stay. have to leave your children. <laughs> <have to> <laughs> well, continue the debate on our many social media platforms. It's also live on myjoyonline.com. My name is Evan Spencer. I am MFA Pau. There's more when you log on to myjoyonline.com. Personality profile with like this video up next. Guess who we're we are hosting today? Tell me. Dr. Novishi Akutu is a consultant, orthodontist, and at Platinum Dental.